The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello and welcome back to another session of the Evolving Chair Podcast with me, your host, Lakeisha Russell, licensed professional counselor, also known as America's Mental Wellness Ambassador. I am also the visionary and the founder of the Evolving Chair Counseling and Consulting Agency right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where we specialize in working with women and children and helping them heal through traumas and everyday life transitions and all children and women issues. If you are interested in receiving therapy services, coaching services, consulting, or training services, please go to my website, www.theevolvingchair.com and peruse the website and reach out to me through email if you have any questions at lakeisha at theevolvingchair.com. So today I have a very, very special guest with me um, who I think you all will enjoy so, so much. But before I introduce my guest, we're going to start like we always do with pop therapy. Remember, the pop therapy segment is my thoughts as a therapist on an article, community happening, um, national news, a movie, a TV show, and giving it a therapist twist to it. So really quick for pop therapy segment, I just want to highlight the end of the year. Like we're coming towards the end of the year. We literally are like two weeks out before the end of 2018. And I know some people are still working hard to meet those goals. But I also want you guys to be mindful of what lessons have you learned over this year? And what are you hoping to change for next year? So for me, um, some of you may know because I was featured in an article on ThriveWorks about being able to um, complete your, your goals you set out to accomplish throughout the whole year. Um, and I will include that link in the show notes for you guys to take a look at that. And one thing that I do, at least to catapult me into next year, is me and my friend Nicole. So shout out to Nicole. We pick one word um, to focus on for that whole year. So like for me, for this year, for 2018, my one word was intentional. And so that meant me being intentional with my time, um, my finances, um, my creativity, um, networking, all of those things, business opportunities, um, spending that intentional time with my own children, spending that intentional time with myself to help me rejuvenate. So that was my one word. And um, I, I really focused on just being intentional in all areas of my life, spending that one-on-one time with God and developing in my spiritual relationship with him. So all of those areas of my life, I've been working on being intentional. And now I'm already thinking about the one word 
to define my year for next year. I haven't gotten it yet. But what I found is that having that one word allowed me to build a framework for how I wanted the year to be. And then to adding on a piece of that, because again, sometimes we can get laxed and um, let things fall by the wayside um, because we may not be as motivated or energized to complete things. It's having an accountability partner. And that's where uh, me and Nicole were each other's accountability partners. You know, I held her accountable for her word and she held me accountable for mine. And we did check-ins with each other to see how we were doing each week. Um, or once a month, um, depending on our schedules, um, but just to make sure that we were upholding that. And so I really want you guys to be able to reflect on the lessons you've learned. And then one thing you are, are looking forward to changing um, next year, and please feel free to send them to me um, at podcast at the evolving chair. I would love to read them and maybe share a few on the air if you don't mind. And it can always stay anonymous if you prefer that as well. Or, you know, definitely DM them to me at Lakeisha LPC on Instagram. All right. So I am going to introduce my very special and beautiful guest, Mrs. Crescent Campbell. Crescent Campbell is a licensed professional counselor who graduated from Eastern University in the summer of 2014. That same summer, she married her husband. Shortly after obtaining her graduate degree, she became a national certified counselor and licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. During this time, she worked with teenage girls that were victims of human sex trafficking and provided therapy to these victims along with their families families. Later, she transitioned to becoming the director of a therapeutic nursery for preschool age children with severe behavior struggles and trauma histories. In the fall of 2016, she began her online counseling service, Holly Street Counseling, that focuses on working with millennial women. Through Holly, Holly Street Counseling, all services are done virtually and from the convenience of wherever the individual chooses to be. In August of 2017, Mrs. Campbell created her therapeutic t-shirt line, Self-Care, Don't Care. Each t-shirt displays an empowering message regarding the importance of self-care and doing this by any means necessary. In November 2017, Mrs. Campbell also created her organic body product line, Simply Zoe. Mrs. Campbell works daily on sharing her message with young girls and women about the importance of self-love, self-acceptance, and the need for self-care. Mrs. Campbell is also a proud member of the the National Association for Professional Women and Holly Street Counseling is recognized as a provider on the Therapy for Black Girls and Psychology Today provider list. Through public speaking in the Philadelphia area and social media, Mrs. Campbell works daily on sharing her message with young girls and women about the importance of self-love, self-acceptance, and the need for self-care. And so we will be right back after this with a word from our sponsors with my very special guest, Mrs. Crescent Campbell. 
For you, the listeners of the Evolving Share podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their services. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D for your free audiobook download today. Hello and welcome back, you guys. I have my special guest with me today, Miss Crescent Campbell. Can you guys say can you say hello to the Evolvers, Miss Crescent? Hello, Evolvers. How are you all doing? Yes, and as I shared you guys um, with her bio earlier, she is doing some great things in the community, and so I'm always glad when I'm able to align with fellow helpers in this field. And so, Ms. Crescens, before we dive deep into what we'll be talking about today, tell the listeners what led you to this work. So I get to ask that question quite often, and it's three things. Um, the first thing was at the age of 12, I started suffering from depression, um, and I had no one to turn to, no support system, and I vowed that I never wanted anybody else to feel like that. Um, second was after I had my daughter, I struggled with postpartum depression, and there was nobody in my community, nobody around me that knew how to normalize it, that knew how to talk about it, or was willing to talk about it. And three, I've seen such a deficit in our black community of other therapists that talk about it, and there's a lack of education and a strong amount of ignorance around mental health, and I wanted to destigmatize it and make it as normal as possible so so many more of us have access to it and we can heal. Yes, and I love that. And as my listeners are very well, I am all about educating them on just about what mental health, mental wellness, what does that all really entail and how every one of us needs to practice good mental hygiene for us to be our best in whatever area of our lives. And so today we're focusing, though, on the college students because I'm like, you know, uh, school is back in session. You know, I I love seeing people um, at their homecomings, at the HBCUs. It looks so lit. And I was like, man, I wish I should have been to an HBCU. (laughs) You and me both. You and me both. Yes, yes. Don't get me wrong. I love my alma mater, Mount Mary University. Like, I, I love them to death. But, you know, I'm like, man, HBCU homecomings be lit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I know they're getting great education there, too. So, one data that I that I came across in regards to college students and their mental wellness, um, I came across an article that shared that one in four students have a diagnosable mental illness, and 40% do not seek help, and 80% feel overwhelmed about responsibilities. What are your thoughts yes. on hearing this data, Crescent? Because I know you are big with working with the millennials, and, you know, those are those college-age students and some that have just, like, graduated um, out of grad school and things like that. So what do you think about this data? This data is aligning exactly with what I'm seeing. I'm getting a lot of the undergrad and the grad school students, a lot of them women, um, who are just anxious 
all the time. I mean, you name it, they are anxious about it. And I'm not sure what the difference is between, you know, their anxiety and the anxiety we had as we were coming up and in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them are just anxious about what time are they going to get up and brush their teeth? What time are they going to, you know, go to class? What socks do they put on? And I don't know if there's these higher standards as far as what's coming down from the academia level. I think social media has a lot to do with it um, because what we see on social media is not real. It's unrealistic expectations. You know, somebody may put a self yeah. post a selfie and share themselves smiling and this is my dorm room and I made it amazing, but you don't know what they had to go through to make that dorm room amazing. They may be smiling right now, but when they put that phone down, they may not be smiling. So there's all these unrealistic goals and expectations, I think, for a lot of our millennials now that they're trying to fight to achieve and become a part of, and it's just making them more anxious because they feel like they don't measure up. Yeah, no, that is such a great explanation, um, and thank you for sharing that because I, I believe that to be true as well. I'm just thinking of a few of the college students that I do work with, and it's it's just like they have the pre- pressure of being the best. Um, academically in college, but then the pressure from the parents that's like, you know, you need to major in X, Y, and Z. And they're just like, I don't, you know, like, that's not my heart's desire. But, you know, I want to please my parents. I want to do great. So, no, anxiety definitely is, like, what I see um, while working with the college students. And now, since we're talking about anxiety, Crescent, what would you say are, like, the maybe the top two or top three common mental health diagnoses that you come across? Um, the top two that I have personally come across is GAD, so generalized anxiety disorder, and depression. So depression, um, sometimes it is the seasonal affective depression. Um, sometimes it's bipolar. Um, I don't like to diagnose them with bipolar because they are so young, and yes, they are adults. But sometimes it yeah. just is a combination of other things. So it may be um, they may have some ADHD. Sometimes you don't uh, realize that you have some of these learning disabilities until so you get to college. Um, so maybe ADHD sometimes comes up as anxiety. It may come up as um, some similar sim- similar symptoms as depression. So one minute you may be fine, may- one minute you may not. They may feel like it's bipolar, but it's really not. Um, as you know, sometimes people can be misdiagnosed because other things show up. Um, so generalized anxiety disorder and depression. The third one I'm also starting to see a lot more is PTSD. And I think because a lot of us, I think so many of us think of PTSD as just somebody that has gone to war and been in Iraq yes. or PTSD as something something else. But PTSD, trauma can be different for everybody. It just depends on what is traumatic for you. So I had um, a, a girl I worked with, and she didn't realize she was struggling with PTSD, but she had moved, moved 15 times in her life before she was a freshman in college. And every time that she came across a friendship or a new relationship, she would start to have these quote-unquote anxiety reactions. They weren't anxiety reactions. They were trauma reactions. Mm. And, and and I'm so glad that you highlighted that. Can you give an example of what were some of those um, behaviors and symptoms that she experienced? 
experience. Just for the listeners, because, you know, some of them may be self-reflecting, um, and just for them to kind of keep an eye out on those behaviors that they may notice, especially, like you said, her having moved 15 times, you know, so she didn't have the opportunity to build those long-lasting relationships, and she probably thought, what's the point, because if I'm just going to move again, so not really having those social skills. Exactly. So something she would do is when she would go into, say she was going to maybe a gathering or a party, um, if she didn't have somebody there with her that she knew, she would um, flee from the situation. Or even if it was um, maybe like a library situation, there was too many people, she would up and flee. She would walk in and turn right back around and run run away. Um, Something else she would do is when she would develop a new friendship with somebody, and she always would say, I don't know why, but she would self-sabotage the friendship. And after we dig, we come to realize she would self-sabotage because she didn't value it because she didn't think she would get any value out of it because she wasn't able to create those long-lasting friendships um, when she was younger. So in her mind, it was, why even work on this friendship? Because you're probably not going to be my friend anymore because I'm probably going to have to move or something's going to change. Mm, and that is so, so true. Thank you for sharing that. And now, um, Crescent, we know many of the times college students are, are, are away from home in another state attending college or even living on campus in the same city, uh, but still parents may not necessarily know what's all going on. What are some ways family members can support their college student? And, and especially, you know, the first year ones, because we know the first year usually is, I feel like it's the make it or break it year, you know, to be like, can you handle this? Because you're transitioning from an environment where I'm sure people were holding your hand, making sure you you went to classes and on top of you. But in college, you're independent. You know, it's expected for you you to attend classes. But, again, you're an adult. Nobody is going to make you do anything. So how can parents support their their college student with with all these different dynamics happening and that also will impact their mental health ultimately so ultimately i think one of the biggest things is for families to support by not judging right so if your college student says to you oh mom i have this 50 page paper i have to write so on and so forth not putting your own thoughts and judgment on it not saying oh girl you ain't seen nothing yet and and devaluing and, and belittling them just be a supporting ear to them not pushing your own values on them so if you have a college student that says you know what i want to major in dance and theater nine times out of ten you're gonna have a parent that says you won't be broke don't do that do something else no 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 we can do so so many things with so many different occupations nowadays. Just support them and let them figure it out on their own. Stop talking down to them as far as what, they're just, what they want to do and telling them they don't know anything. Um, allowing them the opportunity to speak from a safe space and listen to them and not being dismissive or combative or defensive. Just listening to them and being there for them. Mm-hmm. I think those things help the college students so much, knowing that if I need to cry, I can call my mom and cry, and she's not going to, you know, make me feel like I did something wrong. She's not going to get defensive. She's not going to tune me out. She's not going to dismiss me. She's going to be focused in and listen to me because college, I always say college is the halfway house between real life and high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not nice, I love but that. You, but you're not grown. <laughs> yeah. Come on, and, and you know, go ahead. No, go ahead. You know, you're not in high school, but you're not grown, but you feel like you've grown. So you're away at college. You come in, 
And if you're not at one of those colleges that put a, um, if you're not in one of those colleges that you're at a dorm where they put a curfew on you, you come in and go in as you please. But when you go back to your mom and dad's house, lots mm-hmm. of times there's a curfew. So how do you go from being quote unquote grown to coming in and coming out as you want? And then you go back to your parents' house and you got to readjust and be that high schooler again. So that's why I always say it's the halfway house between high school and reality. Mm. And now let me ask you this question. What is your thought on the gap year? Would you highly encourage that? Because what I'm starting to see more conversation about is about that thing. We expect kids to choose their major, have their life all mapped out once they graduate from high school. And many of them are just turning 18. So, you know, they haven't really probably even experienced all of um, the responsibilities of adults. You know, uh, unfortunately, some experience, you know, adulthood earlier than they should. But but for the ones where they haven't had those responsibilities and, and that expectation of, okay, what's your major? You know, this is going to be your career. Like, having all of that mapped out, how do you think having a gap year to really be able to figure out a, a, who you are, right, um, and B, being able to be comfortable in who you are developing within this gap year before you actually go off into college. Where, what is your thoughts on that? I personally don't like a gap year, but I also okay. think it's contingent upon the individual and the individual's family. I actually encourage a lot of um, high school students that I know to go ahead and get started in the summer. And the reason why I say that is because lots of times after they graduate, lots of them are pumped up and ready to go, they're ready to have the college experience. And if you have maybe two weeks in between high school and college, that two weeks lessens the chances of you falling it lessens the chances of you being excited. It lessens the chance of you saying, oh, I'm going to do this instead of this. You go from one thing right into the next thing. I think you should go right from one fire to the next fire. Um, but, again, it also depends on your family and your support system and who you are. If you're somebody that's going to be motivated no matter what and you're going to keep going, then you do it. Um, if you're somebody that's going to get easily distracted and be like, oh, I'm working, I'm making good money, I don't want to do it, mm-hmm. then I, I say at least go ahead and try it. It also depends on what you're trying to get out of that gap year. So are you trying to save up money? If you're trying to save up money because financially you can't afford it, that's something different. But if you want to go see the world and travel and do – listen, you can do that through college. You can do study abroad. You can go on spring break. You have your summers. Just, college does not mean your life is over. I feel like college increases and enriches you even more. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I love all of that. And I know, and I know it'll be some listeners that'll probably be like, but you know, college ain't for everyone. And we definitely like understand that. But again, you know, this is your perspective of sharing that. Um, on your thoughts, and I, I love that. I definitely love that. And now, so, we have these college students that are feeling stressed out, overwhelmed, um, these responsibilities that they probably never had before, and now they have to take it on, um, these different classes and assignments, papers, parties, because, you know, we got to fit all of that stuff in there for the social life. Of course. <laughs> now, where can individuals go to seek that support on campus? Like, I know, I, and I'm just thinking of, like, my college when I went, we had, they were more career counselors. 
you know, so they didn't do the deep therapy. But although I know students, some students now in other colleges, and they actually have, you know, therapists that are doing the deep therapy work. And when I'm talking about deep therapy, you know, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about getting to the root of, okay, your procrastination or your anxiety or your depression, those type of things versus, you know, just surface level of, uh, of filtering out, okay, what, what career field you want to be in and, you know, helping you stay motivated along those paths. I think a lot of college students, um, they first start out on campus. And the reason for this is because it's free. And they know for sure that their confidentiality is not going to be broken. Now, you and I both know as a healthcare provider, if you're over the age of 18, and we can't tell nobody your business, right? Right. So you have a compliance. But I think a lot of them think if they go through their parents' insurance, that their parent is going to have access to their files, which the parent is not going to have access to their file. The parent may see in a statement that the child is using those services, but even that is too scary for them because somebody's going to know what they're doing, right? So they want all their privacy. So a lot of students are staying on campus. Now, I know when I was in grad school, I did an um, internship at a well-known college's um, counseling center. And I worked with PTSD clients. I worked with a client that was transgender. I worked with a client that was suicidal. So I did deep work at the college level. But I can't say that for everybody's um, college right. experience. I think some of the bigger name colleges do a little bit of a better job with that. Um, I also know a lot of them are using at, um, using platforms like therapyforblackgirls.com and finding me personally that way and trying to do it on their own. So I just think it all kind of depends on what's in front of them and whatever's not in front of them. They're trying to find a different way to go about it in an, a roundabout kind of way. Mm, yeah, and I'm glad you brought up therapyforblackgirls.com because – a college student that I work with, she found me on there um, and connected with to me that way. But, yeah, so I, I think the resources are is using those online platforms, whether it be therapyforblackgirls.com, Psychology Today, Good Therapy, um, or mm-hmm. even connecting probably with that counseling center um, and really filtering out if they are actually going to be doing that deep work. For you, um, and if not, maybe they have resources um, near them that they can connect you to, to an outpatient therapist. Yep, yeah, yeah. And so, Crescent, what would you say are the three um, top ways um, college students can practice self? care like what do you think are the three top ways and again you know um because self-care isn't always we have to attach like some financial um thing to it self-care can be breathing journaling but what are mm-hmm. three things that you would say um would be good for a college student to practice in terms of self-care uh the number one thing i say is get a planner that way you can manage your time effectively. So that way you have an even balance of work and play. And I don't know if you remember back in the day when we first had our cell phones. Do you remember when somebody would call you at like 8.58, you'd like, call me back in two minutes, my, my nights are free? 
Yes, yes. So I, I, I always say manage your time so your nights and weekends are free, just like a, a, a back-in-the-day cell phone plan, right? If you manage your time effectively, you can have your nights and weekends free, and you can party and do what you got to do. So that's my first thing. Get a planner so you can manage your time effectively. Second, be realistic about your goals. Don't sit here and say that I'm going to write this 50-page paper in two hours and get mad when you don't do it because is that realistic for you? That may be realistic for the person sitting next to you, but be a real, be realistic and individualize with your goals so that way you can be successful with your goals and you can take care of yourself. Lastly, do not beat yourself up when you don't accomplish something because college is all about learning and messing up. You're supposed to mess up in college. You're supposed to fall down and get back up. You falling down and getting back up is a part of the college experience. That's the story you tell. But don't beat yourself up about it. If you're beating yourself about, up about it, that's when the anxiety comes. That's when the depression comes. That's when the anger comes. That's when the lacking out comes. That's when the emotional imbalance comes and you cannot take care of yourself. Taking care of yourself means being patient with yourself and loving yourself. So don't beat yourself up. Be realistic about your goals and manage your time effectively and wisely. I love all three of those. And now, Ms. Crescent, what do you think we can do, um, just like in the community and even us as the helping professionals, better support college students um, or even colleges in that area of the mental wellness, mental health? I think we need to normalize it. I need to, I think we need to normalize it and also let them know that there is no stigma attached to the diagnosis. And also you do not need a diagnosis to be justified or to feel validated. Because as you know, you don't have to be clinically diagnosed with depression, but it doesn't mean you don't have depressive symptoms, right? So whether you are diagnosed or you're feeling those symptoms, it doesn't mean you are less than. Just because you're not diagnosed doesn't mean it's not real. That's how you're feeling. That's how you're feeling. And we need to educate our young people and and give them the tools and the words that they need to express themselves. Just like so you have a child, I have a young child. When they're having tantrums, we tell them, use your words. Talk to me and tell me what's going on so I can help you. If we don't educate them and tell them what's going on or give them the words and the language and the vernacular that they need to express themselves, then we can't help them. we got to educate them. And I feel like the more and more we educate this millennial generation, the more and more we'll have people being okay with therapy and the less and less of a stigma there will be on mental health. So we have to just educate and get in our community and let them know it is okay to feel like this. It is normal to feel like this. This is acceptable. Yes, yes. And and, and a part of the college students I definitely don't want to leave out, too, because I'm thinking of just millennials. I'm like, I was in my second year of college at 19, and I had two kids. I had a one-year-old and then one getting ready to be born. And so, you know, oftentimes these are – college students who have kids or even are married and have kids or have a husband, what are your top three tips to help them be able to deal with that stress? Because we're talking about, you know, you you got your home life, that's a full-time job, and if you're working and, you know, doing um, community service, you know, doing, still doing your assignments, going to class, like what would be your top three um, ways for them to relieve that kind of stress? I think one, making sure you have a support system, a for sure support system. 
Two, making sure that you are clear to your support system what you need from them. So don't expect them to just be like, oh, okay, you look tired. I'm going to take the baby for a second or your significant other thing. I'm going to cook dinner tonight or whatever, what have you. People can't read your mind. So you need to, again, use those words and tell me what you need so I can help you. Make it clear to them. Clear expectations. So have a, a, a sure support system. Clear expectations for your family or your support system, and three, knowing when to take it down. Mm. So knowing when to stop, knowing when to take a breather, knowing when it's okay to not be okay and what that looks like for you. Mm. And also with that, too, having, again, having realistic goals and expectations. Mm. If you're if you're expecting yourself to be up from 7 in the morning, getting the kids ready off of school, you know, going to school during the day or going to work during the day, picking the kids back up and then going to either work at night and going to school at night and then coming back home and doing a pick. You can't do it all and being okay with that. Yes. Say that one more time for people in the back. Because <laughs> I, I, I was just thinking of my experience. Like, I was just like, no, I got to do it all. You know, I'm going to stay up late. But, like, that wasn't, yeah, that wasn't effective <laughs> at all for me. Oh, you want to know yeah, something? My that. something my mom told me. Something my mom told me when I was in um, this was an undergrad, and I still use this to this day. She used to say to me, "Every party you're invited to, you do not have to attend." Come on. And come on. When I was younger, I took that. I took that literally like, okay, I'm not gonna go to that party because they invited me to it. But now that I'm older, I look at it like. Every every opportunity or every door that's open doesn't mean it's for you, right? So just because you got invited to brunch today, does that mean you need to go to that brunch? Or does that mean you need to stay home and maybe spend time with your family? Or does that mean you need to do something? Does that mean you need to do your paper? You need to pick and choose what you go to and what you do not go to and never be never feel like you have to apologize for it. Unapologetically yes. decline an invitation. Yes. So no is a complete sentence, and then prioritize. Because yes. at the end of the day, it's your life that you have to walk in and be okay with the choices exactly. you make. Yes, I exactly. love that. I love, love, love that. Yes. I appreciate you so much, Carson. So, so much for all the work that you're doing you and for too. being a guest on the podcast. And before you dip off, though, can you give me what are three key ingredients a person needs to evolve into their best self? Oh, man, three key ingredients you need to evolve into your best self. Can I give you more than three? <laughs> I mean, come on with it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to tell you my personal three ingredients for me involved as okay. I'm evolving, evolving into my best self. Uh, self-acceptance, mm. self-care. Mm-hmm. Self-patience mm. and self-awareness. Mm. Those are good. <laughs> so, those those, are, those good. are for me personally as I, I, I watch myself personally evolve. So you can take that and put your own spin on it, but that's me. <laughs> no, but I'm good <laughs> Those are so good. And now, Crescent, let the listeners know where they can connect with you at. Because I know when they hear this, they're going to be like, she dope. Like, I'm going to connect with her. They even have her come speak. Do something. Like, I'm just saying. Listen, listen. You can find me on IG at I am underscore Mrs. Campbell. 
You can find me on IG also on my business page at hollystreetcounseling.com. You can find me on Facebook at Crescent Campbell. That's K-R-E-S-E-N-C-E Campbell. I also have a business page on, on our Facebook, hollystreetcounseling.com. And you can email me to contact me directly, info at hollystreetcounseling.com, and my website, hollystreetcounseling.com. Yeah, so y'all go and connect with Crescent on all those platforms she just named. And reach out to her. Give her feedback of how you enjoyed this session because I know y'all going to enjoy it. And so thank you so much, Crescent, for sharing these gems with us and your knowledge. I know this will definitely help those individuals who this is meant for. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you, and I appreciate you giving me the time to use this as a platform for what I do in my practice. We all do the same thing, but we all have our own little special niches and our own way we do it. So I thank you so much. You are so welcome. Hey, TEC listeners. Don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast. It can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And don't forget to connect with me on social media, on Instagram at The Evolving Chair, Facebook, The Evolving Chair, Twitter at The Evolving Chair without the R and my new email address podcast at theevolvingchair.com. So send in your questions if you are interested in being a guest or want to be on the chair with Lakeisha.